All right, and welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. We have the fine folks here of One BR, which I, which we both loved, is on our top thirty ah. films uh, last week. And not just because you're here, you can go back and uh, and check that out. So uh, and we're not lying. So we have Naomi <laughs> Grossman, Clayton. Hey, Hoff. Hello, Clayton Hoff. Hello, everybody. Hat and a mustache. Thank you. And Alok Mishra. Ah, hopefully I said that right. You got you very close. Alok Mishra. Yep, exactly. So you got it. All right. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, I will let everyone know we will have some spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, go and watch it and then come back and listen to this. Good idea. Or if you don't mind spoilers, listen anyway. Or uh, most of you have already seen the movie, I'm sure. But now. Yeah. I'd hope. Or watch it while you're watching this. Yeah. It was number Welcome. one on Netflix. So some somebody's watched it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it was uh, written and directed by David Marmer. So ha- first of all, like, uh, did you know him before? Like, you got involved in the movie? Um, well, I. It just so happens that my wife went to high school with his manager, uh, Allard Cantor and Jared Murray are his two managers. They have a company called Epicenter, and they're actually also uh, producers on the film. And uh, so my my wife went to high school with Allard in New Jersey, and uh, we arranged one of those. There's a douchebag Hollywood lunches where you sit around and you talk about talk about what projects you're working on and that kind of thing. And he was like, well, what are you looking for? I'm like, well, as a company, we have a company called Malevolent Films. My uh, producing partner, Shane Morrister, and myself have this company. And we're looking for, like, elevated horror. We were looking to make, like, The Next Witch or, like, Hereditary or something like that. It's not to say that we don't enjoy, like, all the other kinds of genres in terms of slashers and whatever. And, like, I love everything. Um, but this is kind of what we want. If you're going to, you know, spend a couple years making a movie you want to make sure you're in love with it and this is the kind of stuff that we figure we could live with and so i had lunch with him he sent me two scripts and i didn't read them for six months i didn't read them (laughs) uh one of them was the movie tragedy girls which is a great uh, horror comedy and the other one was one br and so uh i in my own defense i was working on another project it was about to go then it fell through then I panicked, and then I started reading like three or four scripts a day. And so I found this script. Um, well, I mean, I, I finally read this script, and I love the script. Met with David Marmer. He was a you know first-time writer-director for Feature, and uh, my producing partner and myself are first-time producers. So really, you know, what could go wrong? Um, everything. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> all throws it in there. Yes, everything. And and you know, to that to the end of, to that end, like you know, meeting David, David and and uh, and us got along famously. He's a super smart guy. He will not he won't tell you he went to Harvard, but he did. You know, he started a video game company out of out of out of college and was able to sell, sell it to like Activision along with his partners and make a little bit of coin. And so to the point that he got to go back to uh, graduate school at USC for directing. And so, um, so yeah, so he did all that and, you know, had written a couple of really well-received uh, screenplays, but no one was giving him the shot to direct. And I always have a, th- a you know, kind of a saying in my head, I'd rather have a writer-director than a writer and a director, because it's like less people I have to, like, you know, somehow fellatiate to make happy. Uh, when it's just one guy, it's much easier. Uh, <laughs> just say that. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's tougher having those two brains because sometimes they're opposing each other or they don't like the choices one has made versus the other. And so, Jay, uh, uh, sorry, um, David and I got along very famously. We all did, Shane, myself, and David, and to the point that we're actually doing another movie with him, uh, his next movie. But, you know, it was a thing where that the the... 
kind of journey we went on. We went through all this sort of, um, you know, hardship and whatever else, but we kind of came out the other end and, and had something that was considered somewhat a success. And so we were very lucky to find David Marmer, let alone him to be such a sweet guy. And then in addition to that, have our amazing cast and crew, uh, some of which are, you know, we're friends from before. I knew, I knew Naomi for years and years, for like over 20 years I've known her. And, and Clayton I've known for, you know, probably upwards of like eight to eight years at least, I want to say. Yeah, at um, least. So, at least, right? So it's, it's always interesting when you, when you go to cast things, uh, if, you can, if you can cast friends. Like I let Naomi read the script. You know, I want to say it was May, May of 2017, and we finally shot the thing in December of 2017. So she definitely was like early in on it. And Clayton, I, I you know, in terms of casting uh, him, uh, he, he's never on Facebook. And uh, he finally went on Facebook because he got married. And what, it's right when we were casting, and we, you know, for some reason he wasn't on my radar. I don't know why. Forgive me, forgive me, Clayton. But then I saw his picture on Facebook, all like dressed up and married and everything. And I was like, holy shit, that's fucking Lester. We got to fucking bring him in right away. Like, it, it was so funny because he's like, oh, well, I'm taking some classes today. I don't know if I'll get to it. I'm doing my other job. And like, he, but he did. He, he read for it at like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. His lovely wife helped him put a self-tape together. And we saw his like, you know, tape on a Sunday morning. And by like Monday, he was hired. <laughs> Stuff I want to say, right? Is that about right, Clayton? That, um, that was a great timeline. Yeah, so yeah, so that's how that's how we met David, and that's actually how sort of uh, Naomi and Clayton got to come on board because uh, we all knew each other and stuff. So and, it's and just what you want to do on your honeymoon is a self tape, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh man, it was it was amazing. The artistic endeavor was just <laughs> good stuff. Anyway, so that's I mean, so- you know, you're already. It's like when it rains, it pours, right? Like you you just got True. married, and then you got a movie. You know, exactly. It all came in just like, you know, clockwork. It was kismet. It, it, it was it, fate. Uh, exactly. as they kismet. But I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I answered your question. I think I've answered like three questions. Yeah, no, I think but I'm very long winded. Yeah. No, it's, that's a lot better than yes or no answer. I, I can elaborate, okay. you know, Alok uh, brought me the script, uh, you know, in yeah, maybe the spring of, of that year, um, more just like as a friend, like, hey, would you do this? Would you watch this? Would you, you know, do you like, should, just like as a confidant, should I, uh, you know, give the It'll next couple of years of my life to this? Yeah. And, um, and I was super gung-ho because, you know, it's, the script is the bones like that's like the blueprints and you do not have a house if it's you don't have a solid foundation and so you know from the very beginning I was like totally on board team David Marmer you know he obviously knows what he's doing um so I was like yes and 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 I am uh, I mean I wanted to be all the roles I wanted to be Sarah <laughs> and Janice and like you know you know you name everybody um but alas um uh, but then I got a call in what, like November of that year of with an audition. And I was like, wait, I thought, like, I thought I was already in this. And uh, sure enough, I, uh, you know, I showed up. It was just a formality, but I, I, they didn't tell me that. I just know I all of a sudden got a call from my agent to be at, you know, such and such place at such and such time. And who I walk in and who is my reader, a loke, a loke who I've like played drunk and trivial pursuit with forever. Uh, and his, 
his game, by the way, is he will read the questions, and granted, we're drunk, but he'll read them in such a jacked up way that even if you knew the answer to that question, you don't by the by the time he's finished asking it. So, and, and that's how he reads with actors. It's some messed up stuff. So uh, my hope is that in this the next movie, first off, I would love to just not have to audition, but even if I have to, um, let's get a read in because you know these indie movies like the producers have to wear all the hats um but that's just one hat that we need to we need to pass we need to pass to it i agree i agree yeah. I, I also never want to appear in any of the work that i ever do again as an extra that would be very <laughs> helpful uh to not have to do uh because sadly Anyone who has not seen the movie, I highly recommend you watch it. Watch first of all, memorize a lobe space, and oh. then watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he has a little slightly different COVID yeah. hair. Yeah. Uh, we all do, for that matter. Um, but uh, watch the movie and uh, pour yourself a weak drink, and every time you see a loke, drink. And I guarantee you'll be sloshed by the end of the film. <laughs> it's a tight ninety minutes, and you'll still be. <laughs> Drunk as a skunk. Yeah. He's in. He's in. He's in like more frames than Janice, if you can imagine. I mean, sadly, I listen. I, I, I did True. not want to be at all. In fact, I'd be sitting at Video Village like a, like a, a normal producer would do, and they'd be like, "Ah, we didn't have some extras show up. You and Shane, you get in there. Why are you wearing a shirt with logos?" You know you're going to be in this movie. And I'm always like, I don't know I'm going to be in this movie. I hope I'm not in this movie. I want to sit like a real producer at Video Village and watch the footage and make sure there's no mistakes, you know. But, you know, it happened. And it was it was not that bad. But, uh, you know, next time, hopefully, I don't have to do that. But there's a lot of things I'd like to not do next time when I make a movie. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, how about Clayton? Like, uh, when you read the script, what did you think? And uh, did you have to audition as well? Uh, yeah, well, I got the script um, uh, after I had auditioned, after I booked it, and uh, I read it on a flight to New Orleans. It was like, I think, actually, excuse me, no, I got the script before. Uh, you know, a low kid said that I just got married, and uh, he reached out to me. It was a Friday. I was had my day job waiting tables, which is a night job. I was taking this awesome acting class that was all weekend long. And literally shot the audition tape that they asked me to do at 2.33 in the morning on, like, Saturday night after I, like, told, look, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll get to it. Like, I'm, I'm trying. Like, I just got all this stuff on my plate. And then I was, like, I looked up and I was, like, I can do this. I, I Give me more. I can handle all this. Turn <laughs> it in. Bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Sorry. And uh, read the script on, on the flight to New Orleans and uh, – I loved it. It was really, it was really cool, really, really heady, and uh, was on Frenchman Street in New Orleans, like ten o'clock at night, already probably four beers deep, and listening to live music on the street. Get the call from Mishra saying, "You're in, buddy. You're getting in there." And uh, I just remember doing a little dance on the street. I was with my <laughs> sister-in-law, my wife, and uh, my sister-in-law's boyfriend, and. Uh, that was all she wrote then, you know, I think I was on set like a week later. It was, it was very fast. It was a very fast process. And I read there was a lot of um, like crazy things happening before you even start to start to film the movie. Oh yeah. yeah. 
I mean, yeah, we had a lot of, uh, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure that other productions go through similar things, but it, I think for us, since it was sort of our first film and there was like an inordinate amount of like weird shit that happened that it became that much more kind of, you know, personal and it, it made it, it made it, made a thing for us that we would try to like get through it no matter what. And it also, you know, didn't hurt that, I mean, it helped that like I had like mortgaged and already paid off house allegedly. allegedly. Uh, yeah. So I was like, all right, we got to make this happen no matter what. Yeah. We, we lost like our three main leads, like, you know, a, a Monday before Thursday when we were going to play. I offered shooting. to play all of those roles. If only we had listened to her, uh, I mean, you know, but, uh, but yeah, we had, yeah, um, we, Nicole, Nicole Bryan sadly wasn't the first uh, person that was cast as the lead. She was our first choice. I will say that. But this other actress, and I can't say who because of libel and different shit like this and whatever, uh, but uh, she, um, this young lady uh, was a fairly big TV person or other. And, uh, you know, once we got her on board, we're like, ah, we're already in the black. Like, we won't have to shoot anything. We're already in the black. And, like, you know, our director was very hesitant about this whole thing. We literally had to, like, put, you know, corner him in office and put a gun to his head and say, listen, We'll fly you up to, you know, whatever place in Canada this girl's shooting her show. And you can go up there a couple times, work with her, and then see. Because you'll be able to do it. I, I know you'll be able to do this, David. And so he he begrudgingly agreed and, and, and felt good about it at the end of the day. Like, he felt, okay, this is going to be fine, da, da, da. And then, you know, we're, we're sitting in a, a Gelson's Market, which is like a fancy, bougie, like, think of... Uh, at um, uh, Whole Foods, but even oh. bougie, even bougier in some ways. Uh, it's like they across town. Like, yeah, it was, you literally road trip for that bitch. Yeah, Just well, saying. we tri- we had we had to go get some feminine energy drink. Uh, the the company she was it was part of the thing in her writer that she needed this, and we'd actually talked to the company that makes said energy drink, and they were sending us a whole truckload. They literally sent us a truckload of this stuff, and but it wasn't going to reach until three days into production. So we basically, my other producer and I. I told about wearing like you know stupid hats. Uh, we we put that hat on and drove to Marina del Rey and got a case of it and asked the manager to go in the back and look for some more because I didn't think a case is quite enough for this young lady to like you know to drink all her feminine energy drink in one day or two days. So he he went back in the back to get some more. And meantime, uh, the, her agent called and said she was out. Didn't give a reason. Just told her she's out. And here's another thing you may not want to do as like a first time filmmaker. If you're if one of your leads is like, oh my gosh, like this is like my friend over here, friend, boyfriend, allegedly. I don't allegedly. know what this guy was. Allegedly, I don't know what this guy was, but he's he was on some CW vampire show, you know, piece of shit show I've never watched in my <laughs> life, nor would I. And what well, we were like, well, listen, if he's good enough for the CW, he must be good enough for us. And so we said yes to him. Well, in the same you know breath of getting the call from her, we get a call from him. Oh yeah, he's out too. And we're like, well, what the fuck could happen now? We, we, we go to the bar, because that's what you do when you're in that situation. And uh, we sat down. We told the poor manager of the Gelsons, we don't need the energy drink. We don't even need this energy drink. <laughs> and so we went to the bar and sat down and tried to regroup. Meanwhile, we get another call. The, the woman that was originally supposed to, supposed to play Miss Stanhope, her husband has collapsed, rushed to the hospital. He's dead. So now she's out too. So we lost like three people in the span of a couple hours. And we're just like, are we cursed? Like, what do we do? <laughs> you know? You call Naomi. I didn't even have a writer. I mean, if, they, if we had just listened to, you know, the, the, the gods or Naomi Grossman, we would have been in much better shape. But that all being said, we, we pushed all the shooting back a week. Instead of starting on the Thursday, we pushed everything back to the Monday. 
And now we're on Friday before that Monday. And we're like still haven't found the Miss Stanhope character and still haven't found the Brian character, like our, our male lead. And so I'm calling around to everyone to try to get people to send me like older lady reels of their work. And I find one of them and it's Susan Davis, who is great, you know, old pro. Uh, she was the mom in war games. Uh, you know, she's Robert Altman's cousin. You know, she's been on everything from the Rock, Rockford Files to like Darren Boozman movies and stuff. And so I get her reel and there's a number at the end of it. I call the number and it's it's her. It's not her agent. It's not her manager, as I thought it would be. It's her. So I'm like, uh, I know this is really inappropriate, but I'm going to pitch you the movie, and then I'm going to pitch you us. And so I did. And she's like, well, you know, I've never been in a horror movie before. Uh, let's, uh, let's, this sounds interesting. It's like 9.30 in the morning on Friday. By 11.30, we signed her. So that was taken care of. But now fast forward to like six six thirty seven o'clock at night, we still don't have the Brian character, and we're sitting in uh, Barney's Beanery, uh, drinking, and also calling all our friends in the industry to help to tell them, like people like Jason Blum and like his like head of post production, like they were calling around to like CAA and ICM and, and trying to beg them to stay open for our little movie because you know they would normally not give a shit. And we finally get a call from Gersh, who was really, you know, a great agency, really instrumental in helping us with this movie. And uh, basically, uh, Giles Maddie, who plays Brian, has said yes. And what we found out later was he was driving down the coast from San Francisco to, like, L.A., and he pulled over to the side of the road and then read the script on his phone. But only part he read was his own part. He didn't read the rest of it. And, and Naomi tells me this is quite common. I, of course, was offended. But I was happy he said yes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we're shooting a movie on Monday if everyone shows up. And so, yes, that was part of the post-production headache. We also had fires that, like, almost burned down our offices. And, um, you know, it, it was a lot of Meshuggah that went into the pre-production of the movie. And even there is stuff that goes on during production, but we, we can get to other things later. But, um, but yeah, there was a lot of, like, drama before the whole thing started. But thankfully, uh, once it did start, it was all very, you know, good. Like, I think it was a, a funny There experience. was drama once it started. Well, yeah, oh, there, yeah. there, was, there was some drama. Yeah, Naomi, tell oh, yeah. the story. Naomi has some yeah. Well, the story. Yeah. I mean, well, because she's got the hots for the guy. Of course, she's going to tell the story. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you should get a load of this. No, I, uh, well, this was all happening. Los Angeles was on fire, as we, uh, as it is, <laughs> um, you know, bes- between like September and December here. Um, but specifically, like, Alok, you were having to like Google Earth the production office just to make sure it was still there. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm sure people remember, like if you Google like Mulholland, you know, fire 2017, fire. you'll see like basically that entire mountain where the Getty Center is was just a blaze. And it I looked mean, like it looked like Mordor from uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, it was, it, it all worked out, but it, that is disconcerting. Um, uh, and, but what they're referring to also is uh, at one point in the, the production, um, we all got a call to, uh, you know, the call has been pushed by an hour. We didn't know what happened, but as it turns out, and they, they didn't even tell us until uh, like a year later when we were all in Montreal for the, um, uh, premiere, uh, it turns out one of our production trucks had been stolen. 
Um, so basically there was a PA that was, you know, paid to baby, basically babysit the trucks overnight. And um, it, in the middle of the night, uh, like this truck stealing ring pulled up, um, jacked one of our trucks. The PA jumped in his own car and was like, basically like gunning it on the 405 uh, evidently it was not a blaze at that moment uh, uh you know following this this truck and um he was you know had, had the cops on the line and they were like you know you need to stand down he's like i'm not gonna stand down in the meantime all of this is actually happening on television like it was maybe not an episode of cops but it was like you literally i mean that's what we do for fun here is like we watch car chases <laughs> <laughs> but um in any case uh yeah this was this actually made the, the the nightly news and um and uh they basically like went you know uh, past we shot in the valley and then um over that hill where the getty center is uh they went down the 405 and um basically managed to like corner him right past that like felix sign if people know that very kind of iconic sign that's um uh, south of LA, kind of near USC, um, Alok's alma mater, and um, and basically as they as uh, you know they like cornered him, and he the the, the felon emerged from the car uh, from the truck. It turns out he was like gorgeous. <laughs> it was the slow motion moment. Like, the, <laughs> the hot felon. <laughs> the hot felon. And oh my god! And and it's <laughs> almost like the cops were also like oh taken aback because they were very nice to this guy like they did not want to you know rough up the face um you always hear these stories about cops being real mean to people and then this guy they were just like put your hands behind your back all right stand like (laughs) (laughs) they were so nice to him yeah as it turns out they did like this 80s music playing in the background you take my breath away (laughs) (laughs) go ahead I want to say though they struck a deal with you, Elope. Did they not? Well, there. Well, so this was a truck stealing ring, and this guy was new to the ring, and so he turned state's evidence, and he's supposed to pay us restitution, like you know, fourteen grand or something. I haven't seen a dime. I don't think I ever will. But uh, but he was going to turn state's evidence on them. So I mean, I don't even know if this guy's alive. He, he may be. You know, he might be dead. But hopefully, he's oh not. God. But hopefully he's not. No, I have, don't I have, say that. I have this idea in my head where I want him to pay restitution by being like my monkey butler or being like a PA on the set of like 1BR2. And, you know, spoiler alert, Janice isn't dead, but her husband is. So she's looking for a man's touch. And maybe, maybe oh the hot felon can can serve that purpose. Not only will it be a PA, but it'll have a starring role when we'll pay him nothing until you know he yes. pays back that fortune. Actually, rent. um I would in my next writer, I'm gonna need some rehearsal with the with that. Okay. Yes, got it. Allegedly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the moral nice. story is crime does pay, apparently. Could and that, if, if you have a nice facha, I mean, you know, it's what it is. They say they say uh, Robert Evans, who used to be the president of Paramount dove in a pool and came out a star because he was at a pool, a hot, fancy Hollywood pool and he dove into the pool and he came out and was like, I want to cast you in this movie because you're so good looking. And then he went on to produce like The Godfather and run Paramount. But that, you know, Hollywood's full of dreams and maybe the hot felon getting pulled out of that car was the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how we could find him. 
Well, you know what? I was thinking of calling the DA because I have the email and I just have never looked into it because I'm like, ah, oh, what am I going to do? You know, but I, I think I have enough time on my hands where I can actually talk to the DA and try to see what happened. Where's my fucking money, first off? But secondly, I would like to, you know, put this guy to work because it looks like he can't do the job. I would too. I would too. <laughs> Who knows? No, maybe no, maybe no, this no, is no, a start of something. Can, listen, it's already a great story, but I think that would be an awesome next chapter if we could really follow up with this. You know, and, you know, possible. make all his Hollywood dreams come true. He probably came out here for a reason. You know, we don't I'm know sure. what that reason is. It wasn't is. to steal our truck. I mean, he got, he got, he fell in with the bad crowd. And, uh, you know, I feel like he's this, he's a nice, a nice boy from Kansas or something who just, you know, went wrong for him. the heart of gold. Probably, right? right? I mean, you know, he's got the facha. He's got the facha. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I hope that, I hope that answered your question for everything that went wrong with the yeah, production. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Well, everything that went wrong, there were things that went right. Like we, you know, we we lost our um, uh, uh, premiere. Uh, premiere. Well, we had our premiere at, at in Fantasia in Montreal. No, but I mean, like we 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 were supposed yeah. to have like a big opening. Like I was supposed to wear a dress to like the arc light or someplace and like have a whole, you know, the film released in movie theaters and then, you know, cut to yoga pants for the last 11 months. Yes. We, um, we didn't get, we yeah. didn't get it. So we didn't COVID get COVID obviously screwed us out of a, you know, a theatrical release, but we did so well on VOD. Like who, who to thunk it? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, number one on Netflix. Like, we have nothing to complain about. So, well, you know. it was actually it was actually doing well on VOD. That actually got uh, Netflix to actually take a take another look at us because originally they had just passed on us. They passed, we, right? Like three yeah. times. Oh, couple really? times. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so they finally saw how you know good we were doing. The people, the people told them what they needed to know, and so they they, they took the risk. They took a little movie like us on, and uh, you know, like you said, we we were actually you know in, in their top five for eight days and got to number one and it's so and as it as it turns out we were actually of all the movies the top 100 movies they had last year right that that actually you know did well we were like number 97 for like the all the movies in in general all the movies they had on there and they have like a they have thousands upon thousands of movies you know that they release every month even uh so not only did it do that well in that capacity but it was out of their um top 10 horror movies that they for the year this is including like older stuff like knock knock or you know whatever did well we were number we were number nine there and we were like the number six uh six biggest thriller of the year on netflix also including older stuff like um i don't know uh the roommate and shit like that if we didn't count the older stuff we were probably like number four so this little movie that should have probably just disappeared you know from because you know netflix it's it's a thing where you know you 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 saw something on your feed the other day and now you can't find it and what what was it called you know like they kind of do a thing when they get rid of stuff or they they look at what you're actually looking at and your age and so forth and they figure out what they want to show you and once you've seen that thing, they disappear from you because they're on. They're trying to show you other stuff. But I can tell you, like you know, as far as studying this, because I, I I do sadly have you know little to do with my time sometimes, uh, not being able to shoot stuff in COVID. But I look at it every day, and like you know, we're literally in eight categories every day for for you know for Netflix. Like we're eight category, we're in eight eight different subsections of horror. 
six different subsections in Thriller. For their overall, we're in like four or five every day. And this is if you haven't watched it. If you've watched it, you'll never see this. But like if you haven't watched it, then you'll notice the different places you're in. So mm-hmm. it's definitely it's definitely got enough like sort of traction where people are watching it with consistency and telling their friends so that we're still in these categories, if that makes sense. Because the truth of it is that, I mean, and God bless Netflix. They're a great partner and everything. But the, the truth of it is that they don't give a shit about your little movie that they acquired. They care about Project Power that they spent $86 million on and that they want to like make, make, it see, make it do well because they want Jamie Foxx to come and do another movie with them. And they know that that movie, not our movie, is the thing that drives subscriptions for them. Right. And so they they want to hype that movie. That's across all their social media. We were on their social media maybe twice. Uh, so it really was at the end of the day, a word of mouth from people seeing the movie and telling their friends that actually made the movie sort of blow up like it did. And like I even told Naomi, I was like, ah, finally, we're done. We don't have to. We're not going to do any more podcasts. We're going to do this. And she's just like, honey, this is just the beginning. <laughs> and that was fucking January. And we're still doing like, you know, two to three podcasts a week. <laughs> I, I love when the Loke um, impersonates me. He always sounds like an 80 year old truck driver. Hey, like, hey, hey. Like, I, I don't smoke. Like, why, why am I the Marlboro? Like, <laughs> but he's not wrong. I was like, oh. This is the beginning. Sweetheart, you don't know what you're talking about. Ah. From now on, I just pretend like I'm smoking. You're like the but agent. You like the agent from Friends. Ah. Yeah, I have a, a, like an, an accent. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it has to do with the Peter Lawford's ghost film. Uh, sorry, say again. Sorry. I want to see. I want to see a movie where you play Naomi in a movie. Uh, oh, I do too. That'd be funny. I, I'm going to use it for inspiration. Yeah, I'm not an actor. That's never going to happen. Actually, every now and then, because we know these stories, we you know have done this before. Uh, every now and then, you know, a local you know need to pee, or he'll his dog will be barking, and I'll like take over the story. And I literally like I know it by heart. Like I can, <laughs> you know. I, and he can pick. I pick right up, and then he picks right in. So yeah, we can. If there's ever a story that you want to hear, like me tell versus Loke or, or yeah. even Clayton, like feel free. I know them. I know. Yeah, they, know them. They're, they're very well rehearsed. It's it's, mm. it's 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 like almost like improv, but not. <laughs> well, one thing when you were talking about Netflix being in different categories like that, and I know that you uh, uh, before you started producing movies, you did market research. So, was that something you thought about uh, this particular movie that it would fit in different genres, so it could. Uh, well, you know, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't, we didn't know. We didn't quite know how it was going to land, but what we did. So we tested the movie a couple of times, right? We did like five test screenings of like twenty people, and they were all like friends of friends, right? And okay, it was by no means a scientifically legitimate test screening. We weren't doing it in a theater. We were doing it like in my living room. I think I bought fried chicken and like beer and wine for people to drink, which would never happen at a test screening either. But uh, we did. We made sure that you know, besides myself. And I wouldn't even really literally, I'd be kind of out of the room and watching kind of the room from afar to see how people were reacting. Because I didn't want people to feel uncomfortable, like they couldn't react or do whatever else. And I told them, listen, I'm not in the room. I don't care what you say about this. I'm not going to even be, we would do a focus group after each each uh, screening, right? And so that actually helped us quite a lot. And we took all the data that we got from all, you know, it was 100 people in total, like in 20, 25 groups of 20, let's say, five groups of 20. And we took them, and it gave us information to understand sort of 
what was working and what wasn't working. Like, for example, the stuff with the cat, um, you know, it's in the trailer, so I don't really feel like I'm spoiling anything there. But uh, Spoiler alerts earlier. Yeah, but, but people, 75% of the audience didn't want to see any more of the cat. I wanted to, I personally want to see that cat like pop out of the oven and its eye pop and like, you know, I run around the apartment and catch it on fire. I, I wanted to see that fuck. I wanted to see something gruesome. But 75% of the audience didn't want to see that. Only 25% did. And the 25% that did wanted to see that we're, we're hardcore horror fans, right? And we don't have a hardcore horror movie. So in, 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 in answering your question, what you're speaking to, I knew what we had was a psychological thriller with elements of horror. That's what I always kind of felt, even from a, a script level. They they definitely cemented that for us. And, you know, we had sort of certain debates with, you know, w- with certain people about if Rotten Tomatoes mattered or not for this film, right? Like, you know, we have we have a great partner in our distributor, Dark Sky. They're amazing. Um, but, we, you know, we did have a disagreement on whether Rotten Tomatoes mattered. And I definitely thought it did matter because essentially we have something that's not just a horror movie. You know, and, and to their credit, for horror movies, they're right. Like, people who are horror fans, will they don't they don't care about Rotten Tomatoes. Like, they, they, they'll watch it no matter what because it has a cool box or whatever. Even if it's shitty... There's somebody who likes that movie, I swear to God, for the horror community. Like, you know, there is, there always is. But this movie isn't a straight-up horror movie. It's a, a horror movie slash thriller. And the people who like thrillers are definitely more discerning in certain respects. So having that, like, certified Fresh logo, and, and this certified Fresh logo is also, like, on your iTunes. Like, when you watch, when you have an iTunes movie, that fucking number is right there next to your movie. You know what I mean? Um, apparently, you can get it taken off if you want, but you know, if you have something good, you definitely want people to know because when they're doing their selection of what they're watching tonight, and they see, oh, okay, wow, it's eighty-seven percent. All right, well, uh, I'll take a chance because we don't have anybody the stars in our movie. You know what I mean? Like we're not selling off the stars; we're selling off of concept, and we're maybe selling off the poster art, or you know, who knows? They read the description and they see that it's been well received, right? So, so those were things that we kind of were educated by the test screenings about. Uh, in terms of knowing how to position the film, um, we also did a thing. Well, we had we had a really nice festival run, so that kind of built awareness for the film in like different countries. We had like sixteen different festivals like all over the world, and we made sure really we had- nice festival run. Like yeah. they were everywhere. <laughs> they were, they were, uh, no, they were seriously. They were in France. They were in um, uh, Australia. They oh. were in uh, England. They were, I mean, we, we premiered in Montreal. I mean, it, it was like, for a while, it was like, where's Waldo? Like, where's Alok? Like, he's somewhere in the world showing this movie. We were even supposed to be in a, uh, or we were actually, well, not physically, but in Slovenia at the Grossman Wine and Horror Festival, which has my name all over it. Yeah, exactly, I yeah. I would have loved to have been there. I but, would have loved to have gone with you. you know, uh. <laughs> in, a, in a winery in uh, Eastern Europe uh, in the middle of COVID sounded a little actually awesome. But anyway, we didn't I mean, do it. You're, 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 imagine being trapped in your own house and how bored you, and you can't go anywhere and you don't know anybody. And even then, like, you know, your internet hopefully working well but i can't imagine out in the country in slovenia in a winery in eastern in a Europe, winery but, what would you do i mean what are you gonna be drunk 24 <laughs> like, it's like anyway but we, we we went all over the world we got the awareness up about the movie and you know that we even had to get sort of like held back from a couple of festivals because of covid and stuff because we would have kind of finished right before we had opened in april um so but um 
the, the bottom line was that we had kind of laid the groundwork for awareness, like sort of all over the world. And then once we didn't get a theatrical release and we're just on VOD, we sort we around that same time we sort of found out that we were going to be on Netflix. So we kind of had a missive that we wanted to we knew that the movie tested well enough in in the in that there was no rejection very little rejection in the film. So we weren't afraid to show it to journalists to keep on trying to get that, you know, that Rotten Tomatoes accredited to keep on getting like higher up like we we kept on like trying to get different reviews so we would get we got as high as like 88 percent on rotten tomatoes and then when we were on netflix two jackasses reviewed us who were like some christian monitor group or whatever who, who hates anything r-rated <laughs> you know what i mean like they knocked us down a bit but we're still at 87 so it's not too bad the, the point you is know, get- you want to know how we got 88 percent though <laughs> how how did he get at 88%? 11 p.m i get a text from a loke he's like hey um can you buy the movie um, it's five bucks. I'll pay you back. Uh, but I need you to do it like right now, like between now and like midnight. So, so like now, and I'm like, okay, like, and as it turns out, because he's, a, a, you know, a market research guy, he, he basically was trying to run a little experiment. He wanted to well, see that uh, basically, uh, if he could manipulate the numbers and, uh, the, the rotten tomato numbers and see, like, he knew that, uh, uh you know, the uh, Wednesday at midnight uh, Pacific time is when the, they sort of roll over those, uh, uh, numbers. And he wanted to see if he, if he invested, let's say a hundred bucks. So, you know, have 20 people buy the movie at five bucks each. Uh, if we could, uh, you know, uh, if that would be enough to up the rating. And um, well, anyway. it, 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 what you're saying actually is, is partially true. What, what it was was that um, I, I wanted to see how the iTunes, like their charts could be sort of manipulated in a, in a way. Like um, it was a thing where, you know, they're very accurate about their charts or they update them pretty consistently. So if you can see like their horror charts, oh, well, you'll be at number three this hour, but you'll be at number two the next hour or something, right? And I knew at a certain time of night, maybe not not a ton of people are, like, buying stuff. So what would 20 people buying the movie at, like, you know, 11.30 at night on the West Coast, what would it do? And uh, it, it moved us up, like, three places, like, in in the chart. So I wanted to understand what that was. And so Naomi's not totally wrong. I just saying. think it's amazing because, you know, the fact is we like to joke that, you know, Alok had to do a lot of things that, you know, real producers aren't doing. But that's also a thing that real producers aren't doing. And they probably should. Like, it's freaking smart is what it is. You're, like, getting inside their heads and, like, how can we work, work this to our favor? I just, I love the idea of Alok, like, one by one texting people, <laughs> hey, will you buy our movie? I'm like, okay. Like, and, and not only that. But we went on to have a conversation. We're like texting back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, how many, does he really think that my one $5 purchase is going to like do anything? But evidently it did. I, and I so just well, think, so I, 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 got, I got like, so tw- I love it. I got 25 people to do it for the record. And we went up like three <laughs> positions. And so I was like, that's, that's good knowledge to know. Because if you wanted to say, for example, you had gotten to number one on Netflix, or sorry, no, number one on iTunes, for example, oh, we got to number one on the you know, Apple charts, or whatever, it'd be something worth it, I think, you know, like we were, we were kind of chasing that goal right. uh, all around the world to try to get to number one on iTunes, because we, we basically only got to like number two or number three, I want to say. Before we got to Australia, where we finally hit number one, and we were number yeah. one for eleven days, and I have I have offered uh, because of that to to shave a mohawk. 
into my head, uh, which I'm going to do for the record. I'm going to do. I just haven't been able to see my barber to do such a thing. So I'm not going to do it myself because it's going to oh, look okay. jacked up as it is. So okay. I might as well get someone to do it who's a professional. Yeah. So that's coming. Where to shave my head during the, the pandemic? Oh, well, I mean, if you, you, know, shave, the whole, do, it if you shave the whole I thing, could, then, you know. I could do it for you, Alok. Yeah. I mean, do it really well, though. I, I mean, could, I could come over and shave it for you. Oh yeah, for sure, man, for sure. I'll, I'll All right, well, I kind of trust you. I kind of trust you because you, know? you have wear a mask yeah, over. Yeah. You got you got the mustache going on, so I kind of trust you. I'll even, I'll even you. wear a face shield. I'll wear a face shield. Yeah. All right. Well, this is yeah, sounding more attractive, and, it, you know? and it's much. It's much. Well, we could actually, and it'd be cheaper than hiring, hiring my barber because that fuck is going to charge me full price no matter what. That son of a bitch. <laughs> I like the fact that he has exactly. a nice mustache. To charge you the COVID price. Be able to cut your hair. Well, no, listen, I, I love I love Clayton. He's he's very stylish, yeah. obviously. So I feel like he could do some good work here. All right, let's we'll talk offline about this. So people don't need to be bored by this. But uh, yeah, it's gonna happen. We got to number one is the bottom <laughs> bottom line. And, and going back to your original question, did did sort of the testing, did my background kind of help with this? Yeah, because we had this missive to even when we were released on VOD, we wanted to make sure that our we did enough like podcasts and interviews and everything we could do to kind of have us out there, the awareness of the film out there, sort of in the Google sphere. So if anybody ever Googles the movie, there are literally like 14 pages worth of shit that comes up, of which about 88% of it's positive. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like it, it wasn't bad to have it in that way so that when we did finally come to Netflix, listen, we all have a lot of friends, right? But between all of our friends, maybe you, between our friends of friends and their friends, maybe you know, you know 100,000 people. You don't know 80 million people. And so it had to be a thing. That's where- why I was like so perplexed. I was like, is he texting 80 million people right now? <laughs> and by the way, of the 12% that is not fully positive, it's mostly in Spanish. And uh, it's uh, basically podcasters asking like, like they're like <laughs> so perplexed as to what the name of this movie is. Like, I mean, so that's that's the lesson here for any uh, uh, aspiring filmmakers. Do everything Elope does. Well, don't agree to any actress that needs a feminine energy drink, period. But other than that, like learn from this man because he is doing it. He's doing all the things and it's amazing. Well, um, I would but, tell you yeah, your movie, something that people can pronounce and won't dedicate their entire <laughs> podcast to understanding what it means. Yeah. I call, I had to call her. Like I understand Spanish, but these guys are speaking some kind of Spanish. It was so fucking light years fast. That I was like, Spanish? well, no, I'm not fluent. I can understand. That's it. what I mean. It's like <laughs> actual Spanish, you know, but then the actual Spanish is so fucking fast that I had to call it. And Naomi is very fluent actually. Uh, and taught it. Uh, and so like, uh, I had to call her and, and I'm like, Kiana's one, and I'm like, do they like it or do they hate it? I don't understand. Like, she's like, they, they just don't know how to say it. They, just they don't know don't how to say it. They keep on talking about the title. That's what they're talking about. It's the title. And I'm like, I mean, the, the funny thing is, they've had to change the name of the movie. And speaking of which, uh, like uh, all over the world in certain places, because like I thought that the English speaking world would understand what a, a, a you know real estate abbreviation one br means one bedroom. But in England, they had no idea what that meant. And we had to, you know, fight back and forth. I wanted it to be called 1BR colon, like the flat, right? That's what I thought would be a good name for because we keep the 1BR in it or whatever. But then at the end of the day, I had to agree and they were very insistent. And I was like, all right, I don't want to, you know, step on your parade. You do what you got to do. You know your country better than we do. They called it, they called it apartment 1BR. And, apartment 1BR. Uh, ap- apartment 1BR. And then that's, that's what the name is in, in, uh, in the UK and Australia. Yeah, I just saw that poster when I was looking for 
graphics, you know, to make the banner. They, did, they, had, they had a nice poster for that, like that red lettering and stuff. That was kind of cool. But the, they did it. They named it that there. In uh, in Germany, they named it. Um, uh, what is it? Apartment One uh, Br. Welcome to the Nightmare. I think is what it's called there. <laughs> and then what is it called in Japan, Naomi? Uh, Madhouse. Madhouse. <laughs> madhouse in in, uh, in in japan so um but you know it, it, it's it's in russia it's the girl in apartment one yeah that's what it is called in russia. i kind of like that name huh. yeah it's not terrible um but, but listen at the end of the day we were like listen we just want the movie to get out there and it has like it's been it's, it's been interesting to see that um you know, it's been in the top five if not top three for every country we've released in um, like we just released in uh, the Middle East uh, on the on this Tuesday or Monday or whatever it was. They're a day ahead, so it gets all mixed up to me. But but uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, Oman, uh, Qatar, um, what's it called? Uh, UAE, uh, Lebanon, all these places, uh, Jordan, and you know, we have been we were in the top three for even number two. I want to say for UAE, Egypt, and, uh, and Saudi Arabia already. It's, 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 it doesn't matter at the language. People seem to have been drawn to this film and, and like it and tell their friends. And so that's the only reason it's been able to achieve sort of what it's been doing. I'm really yeah. interested to see how, how well it does there because, you know, women aren't really supposed to like have rights there. Never mind like be able to live in apartments <laughs> alone or, well, you, you know, know they're, 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 they're they become more open in like Saudi Arabia and stuff. Actually, I had a young lady who, uh, who told, well, so the only place the movie ever premiered in a theater, really, besides like the festival run, like right now, let's call it, is actually in like uh, United Arab Emirates, right? And they told us like, you know, we, we were we were playing against all these like, like Wonder Woman opened up early there and stuff. So we were playing against shit like that. And we were like the number 12th movie in, in the country. So I was like, all right, that's not bad. Like, I mean, like. 17 grand uh, <laughs> across the three theaters we were in and and their theaters were at low capacity so it wasn't like they were filling the whole theaters it was just like you could have 20 persons in a theater is the idea and so like that so it, it did fairly well and, and a young lady actually who was like on a sort of a girl's night out with a bunch of her friends uh you know she wasn't wearing the burqa or anything she was just having a great time watching the movie and they they decided based on the poster whether they wanted to see it. they didn't even know anything about the movie and they're like wow this is great and they, 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 they tweeted us and i was like oh that's so nice you know so it was it was a cool experience that it got it to open up in theaters at least in one place in the world and and, and it's now it's on vod and it's doing well i would be it would suck if they were like oh yeah that's just life we just yeah, we just nail women to walls. <laughs> oh, I hope not. I hope not. Because <laughs> that would make for a really boring movie if they were like, Wow, oh, this is nothing. This is nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you should see. You, you should see. <laughs> My friend Harriet. Like, you know. <laughs> no, I'm, we're, we're joking, of course. Oh, but uh, we're, we're, I know, yeah. yeah we're very I'm thankful. Sure that this is very popular in Qatar and uh, the Arab Emirates. Well, we're very, we're very, we're very thankful that they're responding to the film. Let me oh. just say that, and and we thought we thank them a thousand times. So that's what are we're we saying. can we know how, uh, if, how many people are? I mean, are there people watching right now? Are you able to see? I, you can oh, you can look at oh yeah. There's a lot of people in the chat room. Uh, a lot of awesome. People. Are they all Arab and hate me now? I do not know that. I cannot see. Oh, okay, that. good. No, I don't think they earlier are. Ashley <laughs> liked that there was a Morador reference. Oh, ah, nice. officially my new favorite person. 
<laughs> That's funny. Um, but listen, at the end of the day, it, it's it's actually done. Back to my point, it's done well despite you know language barriers and maybe even cultural stuff. Like I think you know people enjoy a good sort of suspense thriller that's not afraid to kind of take it to the edge. I mean, the one thing people don't like about the film is, is that we killed a cat. And I swear to God, like we get so much grief over this. Like the number one comment on like you know Amazon is like. I watched until they killed a cat, and I watched no further. These people are, you know, they're they're maniacal, and they have this. Who wrote this? Who wrote? They should be they should be hunted down. And like, I'm like, it's not a real cat. Like, I swear to God, it's not. A real cat. Well, but look, recently I I happened upon that show, that movie uh, or show, I guess. Uh, Don't fuck with cats. And yes, there's uh. a whole contingency of people that are like cat killer hunters that like will find you if you hurt a cat they will find you like I mean, doesn't that, matter where what's a big taboo like, uh, they're coming for you. you said about your know, hardcore horror fans but uh even horror fans i know uh that's like the one thing they don't like to see is uh is animals uh, being even if it's not real you know it's in a movie i was gonna so, say yeah. but like it's obviously a movie. Like it's not like we did like a, a snuff movie featuring only oh, no, animals. No, no. Like it's no, it's an actual <laughs> theatrical film with props and a yeah, art mean, department that you know. It's, fu- it's funny. Like the, the, the cat isn't even very well done. No That's the thing. To- That's the thing. The cat isn't even that well done. Like we had to cover it up with smoke. We had to put digital smoke in there and shit like this. Oh, I thought you meant with medium rare. It wasn't well done. Oh no! Yeah, funny. I mean, the 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 prop master was lovely. Most of the props this gentleman put together were great. This this one thing maybe not not his best work, and uh, you know it it, it 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 looked fake. Like so, the people get would get upset by it. It it it, it, it you know we to, to be truthful, David Marmer actually wanted to do something worse to that cat. He wanted to actually uh, her to come home, and the cat was like crucified on the wall, and we were like. We can't do that. <laughs> we, even, even we were like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, yeah, can't do that. Yeah, even we can't do that. Like, you know. Um, but you are right. People are very sensitive, and it's what it is. But I, we always put it out there. Listen, we put it in the trailer. We tried to like give some people like the heads up that there is something that goes on in this movie. And if you watch the trailer, and not trying to give away the whole movie, but sure. like you know, we did put a little something in there. And it's always funny to me when people get horribly offended. And that's like the worst comments we have. And sadly, our number one comment on Amazon, uh, this one lady. But it, it always strikes me kind of funny in a way that like it's like you pay for a box match right and you're watching the boxers box and then the guy bloodies the guy's nose and then you're like i'm offended he bloodied his nose like well you fucking paid for a boxing match right like (laughs) what do you want right so it's just it's what it is and you can't make everyone happy all the time i'm telling you that that's another thing too like i mean you know we have 76 rotten tomatoes accredited reviews 10 people didn't like it well, we couldn't speak to them, right? But uh, we we spoke to everyone else, and so that's the good news, right? You got to take the, the the people that do like you and, and really celebrate them. And you know, oh, listen, yeah. we're we're so grateful that that people have enjoyed the film, that uh, that you know people have told their friends. Like that's like the biggest thing. Like I could pay to cut the best trailer in the world, but the the fact of the matter is that people actually tell their friends about this movie. 
And we knew that from the testing that there, that, that there was very few people they wouldn't tell. Like if they had a cat lover or something, they might not tell them or they would warn them ahead of time. Like, listen. I actually did warn a friend of mine who I told about the movie. Right? I mean, listen, but the thing of it is that we try not to make it that gratuitous, right? And it's a very quick kind of scene. Like you would, you would like just tell them, listen, this is the time code. Just turn your head. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> Hot pussy. Hot pussy makes its way into the conversation. It always does. And it's always brilliant when Naomi Grossman can bring it up. Uh, <laughs> there is some hot I pussy. I saw the opportunity. I went for it. She saw that hot pussy opportunity and she went, she, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. This is great. Right. This is hilarious. <laughs> are people able to see as well? Or are they just. Is it oh, just yeah. Not? Yeah. They can see. Oh, good. Okay. Hear, yeah. It's all, it's all live here. Yeah. I feel like. Some of my comedy is—it's uh, a visual thing, right? Yeah, so, I get you. that's good. Yeah, uh, Tristan, they don't just folks. hear me offending Arabs. Yeah. Oh God, no! We love the Arab people. To be correct, we love the Arab people. <laughs> We're so thankful that they're watching the movie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Hi, uh... <laughs> right. uh, Tristan. You have a question. I'd love to know if you guys were inspired by any real life cults. You know, that's a great question. Um, uh, David Marmer, uh, who was our amazing writer-director, uh, was very... This whole movie actually was sort of... Um, his. He moved to L.A. like when he was in his 20s and lived just in exactly this kind of apartment complex. When we were doing scouting and stuff, we, when we found this, this particular complex, him and I just kind of turned to each other like, wow, I feel like I've lived here before. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, he had he had a misbegotten cat. He he loves cats, and so him actually killing the cat was like the worst thing he could imagine, right? And so that's what went into actually that scene. But he was living in constant fear that he would leave the door open or something, and the, this cat he wasn't supposed to have in this apartment complex would run out the door, and he'd be found out, right? Uh, that was one sort of real life sort of angle to the whole thing. Like Sarah, you know, smuggled a cat in too, but he did a lot of research about cults because Southern. California seems to be one of those places that is like kind of rife with like cults, uh, whether it's a Nexium or, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is, Heaven's Gate. Southern California has a huge history of these kinds of things. And we, Naomi and I, we talked about it in other places and we're like, what's the reason this is the case? Well, the reason is, is because all these people come out to Southern California who are seekers, right? Oh, I'm coming out here to be an actor. I'm coming out here to do this. I'm gonna, and they come out here and maybe things don't go right. And they don't know people. And so that person sitting on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard talking to you about Scientology, not that this is uh, talking about Scientology allegedly, because <laughs> Naomi Grossman was very close to Scientology, the building, and we don't want her to get, uh, uh, you know, snatched, uh, perhaps, because uh, she drives her bike uh, past there every day as she's going to yoga. Uh, My... <laughs> Yeah, so we don't want to get snacked. But the point of it, that, he, that David was very inspired by a couple different cults, whether it be like, you know, allegedly Scientology, but more uh, akin to this cult called um, uh, Synanon. Uh, yeah, Synanon. Uh, and these guys were drug rehab originally. And, and the government was sending them people because, like, back in the late 60s, like, you know, being addicted to drugs was sort of like you were a lost soul. Like, people thought you were just, you know, they, they couldn't help you. And so this this particular outfit was there to help people who had drug addiction. And they actually did a lot of good until they didn't, uh, until they kind of became a cult personality. 
I mean, there's a there's an NBC movie of the week that's actually that they made about this this call where people get some people got killed. Uh, they, they 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 all the violence you see where they're like slapping each other and stuff, and you know, going around robbing and slapping. That was what they did. They 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 didn't believe in secrets. They would no one would hold a secret. And if you know, they, if you admitted your secret, like oh, I really want to fuck your wife or something. All right, then everyone get get to slap that guy, and it's forgiven. You know, it's like okay, you know. And so they they went through a stage. They moved up north to Northern California, and they shaved their heads. And there was a a little filmmaker uh, named George Lucas who happened to be shooting his first movie called THX uh, 1138. And lo and behold, he needed a lot of bald extras. So lo and behold. Many of the bald extras in that movie are Synanon members, actually, which is an interesting sort of like come full circle kind of thing, right? With the movie business and the cult, let's say, right? But um, but yeah, a lot of them were were from that cult and stuff. And you know, it's funny though, because even now, like uh, people talk about the Nexium and stuff like that, right? Like, oh, they saw these like the two documentaries they have about them. Like, we made this movie like way before that was revealed and stuff. But like the whole like branding and everything else. It's something apparently that goes on in cults, right? Um, yeah, so there, it's it's interesting how sort of we did take real life inspiration for you know a lot of the different sort of you know we made a Frankenstein's monster of a cult, let's call it, based off of different things. But the funny thing is this too: we made it so that hopefully it's it's believable in the way that you can almost see their point of view, right? Like you almost see like you know. These guys didn't try to sexually abuse Sarah. Like, everyone kind of... There's certain people that, you know, watch this movie and they're out waiting for that to happen. And it doesn't happen. Like, these guys generally kind of kind of care for the, their, their I members. I think the best villains are the ones in their mind they're doing the right thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's almost a thing where I was kind of liking it to uh, American History X, where you have um, uh, Edward Norton giving that speech before they go and they pilfer that... They destroy that supermarket. And he's given this speech about like how they've come, these people have come in and taken our jobs and blah, 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 blah. And there's a part, being the viewer, where you're watching that and you're like, yeah, you know, he's kind of right. Like, wait, wait, he's a fucking Nazi. Like, you know, you're, but you see their point of view is my point, right? And you see that like they have these, they have, they have some good intentions, but it's just the way that it all susses out, that it's not good. Like, you know, the torture, the everything, da, da, da. Like it, it, it definitely doesn't uh, help people in, in that regard. But, but you can see how they're trying to help. You know, so yeah. why it would be appealing to some of them, you know, in, in theory? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, why would they live there that long in an apartment complex and be a doctor or a lawyer? You know, <laughs> it's like, so, yeah. And, uh, by the way, I have to say this. So uh, thanks to uh, Kate Naylor here in the, in the chat. Uh, they sent us uh, a tip, some uh, money in the, in the chat for the show. Well, thank you. And they, oh, nice. they, they love Naomi. She's the best. Oh, thank you. I actually just got a text from someone that says, Alok is lively. <laughs> I'm also getting, um, yeah, getting well, I'm chatted. Glad, I'm glad people are watching it. That's that's. Uh, they that's are. Nice. That's so yeah. great. Awesome. Uh, no, but I would add to the the cult conversation. <clears throat> yeah, I, I feel like you know actors, models, musicians, you know, all these sort of you know lost souls, like Alok says, are 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 we're looking for something and. Um, <clears throat> I say we, well, it's just, I feel like cults often kind of offer, first of all, they prey on people that are vulnerable. And I think, you know, actors are among the most, um, you know, but 
I, 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 I've known people that have actually like gone the way of Scientology and it's not even like they're like weirdos at all. Like they just, they're looking for a, 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 a place in the world. And I mean, I, I have, I've never gone there, but you know, Alok likes to joke that, uh, that I'm in a cult that I, you know, I will not miss yoga. Like I guarantee we schedule today around my yoga schedule. Like I can't miss. And like, to the point where like, I don't know. My, my teacher was actually talking. I mean, I say my teacher. It's literally like a lady who found me like on the floor as they were closing my yoga studio, like ugly crying on my mat, who basically took me in and said, hey, you know, you don't look so good. If you want, you can come to my house and we'll practice you know, daily. And, and I've been there every day since. But I swear she was actually talking about like closing her, her you know, like not doing this anymore just because the COVID here has become so out of control. And of course I was like, ah, like, no, like you can't, like, what do I got to do? Like, I will, I will move in. I will move in. I will, <laughs> I, you know, I'll find a renter to you know take over my mortgage and I'll move in. Like that's how far I've drunk this, you know, yoga Kool-Aid. So, you know, it happens like, well, there's even, people... I, I think there's even like acting teachers have done a thing where like, okay, not only am I going to teach you, but you got to be—you have to be committed to me, heart and soul. And also, we're Scientologists, by the way, so you're going to have to do that. Too. <laughs> not, I mean, not to get political, but just look at what happened like last week in the Capitol. Like, yeah. cults are everywhere. There are people who want to believe. We we're all looking for like someone or something to believe in, and like, it, it's it's you know whether you want to call it a cult or a yoga practice or. A, a, a political uh, leading, like yeah. whatever. It's mm, yeah. Yeah, I want to mention uh, Clayton's character when talk, we talk about cults. Uh, he's the character in the movie, besides the main character, obviously, that has the most uh, conflict with you know being in the cult, and also has a very interesting story arc. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, because he Lester was definitely a fighter. He didn't he didn't want to assimilate and. Uh, out of you know the the brutality of it all he he gives into it so uh you know he ends up showing his true colors that he still he still has hope uh in in escaping and uh it's uh <laughs> you know it's when you're when you're indoctrinated and you believe it so much and you are and it, it it just doesn't it doesn't seem wrong, you know. Everybody, uh, you know, when you're you see these people hurting Sarah and, and hammering her, they really feel like they are helping her, you know, that they are really doing something. So you can't, as the loke was saying, that you know, you start to be you start to feel sympathetic to the the people who are inflicting this pain because you see where they're coming from. I mean, it's funny. Well, that was also something that we talked about with David. You know, he was like, you guys are me. the bad guys. You don't I could in, in that in way. Wait, what? No, no, definitely. Is, is it? Oh, no, no, de definitely not. So I think maybe I'm lagging because we end up like missing each other on these, these banters here. Uh, I was just saying that the, the yoga cult is definitely the cult of choice. <laughs> if you've got to be in a cult, it, at least it keeps your body hot. 
you know. Well, um, Bedroom had a cult though, which was very terrible, actually. Yeah. Oh no, I took, I took, I took, I took classes from him. He was an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> You're not you know, even the, a the funny. You know the the funny thing about him is that he'd be like, "Oh, yoga is all you need. All you need is yoga. Oh, you get da da da." And then meanwhile, in the locker room, he'd be doing weights. To like you know pump himself up and everything and and I was like I thought yoga is all you need and he's like shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he would teach a class. Yoga like, is all week. you yeah. need, but he obviously needed more than yoga. Oh, he needed uh, he needs is, jail time is what he needs. He, he, I think he's gonna go to jail, but you know I was gonna say hot pussy, but that's a no. He's <laughs> no, he's teaching all over the world. He just can't oh, that's teach. right. He's 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 dodging. He's dodging the police. I think by like doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw a documentary recently about this. But um, you did. Yeah, you're it's right. Also, on Netflix, it's also very well done. Also produced by a friend of mine, ah, Sarah Anthony. Nice from Northwestern. Go Cats. Uh, <laughs> go Hot Pussies. <laughs> A uh, Tupper Babe says, uh, you're obviously far more happy-go-lucky and fun than your characters. What prep did you go uh, did you go to get into character? And he also uh, they also they loved the movie and immediately texted my daughters uh, to watch it after they saw it. Oh, thank uh-huh. you. Thank you. That's very kind. I wonder how old these children are. I'm always like kind of horrified when I go to these horror conventions and there's tiny children like barely walking and talking right. and they've they know they've watched all of american horror story <laughs> and then i'll ask them like what's your favorite season and they'll be like spring and i'm like oh my god <laughs> like, <laughs> you're too young <laughs> like, if you don't know what i mean when i say what's your favorite uh-huh. season you should not be watching this show <laughs> What what oh, the question was? What do we uh, do to, to get into character? Yeah, to to not be happy go lucky. Well, I mean, yeah. actually, it's kind of what Clayton and I were talking about um, a little bit when we were overlapping. You know, David was very clear with us. Uh, it's not like our characters you, were trying to be evil. You know what I mean? Like the fact is, no one is. Even Cruella Deville is not like. I just want to be evil. I, I suppose there are probably are like comedy villains out there who are just evil for evil's sake. But um, let's face it, this is not that. And, um, you know, in, in, in Janice's case, she just wants to instill discipline in her daughter. She She's trying to uh, be a good role mo- model for, you know, and parent. And so I think um, at the end of the day, like, like I said, it's important that we're not these like over the top, like villains with our, you know, mustaches, whether or not you actually have, Um, you know, it's important that we're like real people who uh, have real um, objectives. And, and, and the, the objective is not just, is not to, you know, torture Sarah. The objective is to, you know, show her the way. And, um, you know, we just happen to have some really messed up ways of going about that. You know, I think Clayton had a really great, as I recall, like you, you were talking to your acting teacher about it. And I think you, he said, like, you, you guys came up with the best thing about Lester, about what he actually is. And I'm, I'm sure that they would be interested for you to share that, like in terms of like what he's yeah. kind of a damn it. You know, tell, tell them about, I think. It's I remember this. this was, yeah. uh, it's a line that uh, Mrs. Stanhope had. 
He's just so sad. smart. It's all again. Yeah. David's such a great writer. He literally puts all everything you need to know is right in the script. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, it was it was totally that and that it was you know when you're reading this and you're trying to get a grasp of who this person is, you know, you just dig into the script the, that the answers are going to be there, you know, that you're going to find the answer. And it was just in that scene with Sarah and Miss Stanhope. She's like that. Oh, you have this book, that creepy guy try to give me this book. Did you get it from him? And she says, oh, Lester, he's just really sad. And, and that's, that's totally what it was. I mean, here's this guy who's grieving over the death of his wife who you is is looking for for connection as well as anybody in this group is is looking for this connection in in life and you know I just dug into that and working with my acting coach uh, we did uh, shadow work and working with shadow you know where however light where there's a bright shining light there's also a dark shadow and Lester just had this you know, really sad, lonely boy. It was just this sad, lonely boy. And, you know, just really leaned into that and, you know, really discovered that and uh, was able to bring that to set. And uh, also kind of this idea of like 1984, you know, two plus two equals five, two plus two equals five, you know, ingrained in a two plus two equals five. Two plus, and you're like, wait a minute, every so once in a while, Lester stops and he's, he's drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Two plus two equals five. Two plus two equals five. The election was minute, stolen. No, the election was stolen. The election was stolen. <laughs> wait a minute. No, it wasn't. Wait, wait, no, it is. It, it, it. <laughs> I think that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, but you know, it's the I, same I, concept. Like if you say it enough times. You know, it's, it's, it's true. It's you know, it's really, it's really a funny, weirdly political thing. And listen, we're, we're not trying to make this movie political or anything like that. No, but no. We, there's been people that have seen this movie and be like, "This is goddamn communism! Oh my god! Like I can see it. They're trying to put the seeds." And thank God for Sarah and fighting back against communism. And I was like, "Wow, are we gonna game a bunch of like Fox Fox News <laughs> people to watch this goddamn movie?" <laughs> I can like nothing better, but like, you know, we, we prefer to let people have their own interpretation of it, but it's interesting in comments. Like you'll see comment comments like on IMDb or like, and people are just like, they're, they're, they're saying a whole bunch of shit that we didn't plan uh, or think about when we were making the movie, but somehow it's there in their minds now, you know, it's like somehow represented. Uh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> anyway. And by the way, she says uh, that her kids are tw in their twenties. So. Oh, okay. oh, good. I'm relieved. Yeah. And surprised, honestly. Like, I can see when I look at my own, uh, you know, demographics of my social media, it's like, I they cap at 24. Like, I don't know. Like, like I, for whatever reason, I the 25-year-olds and up are lost on me. But, you know. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and Kate wants to know, are we going to get a sequel? Fuck Yeah. We're going to do a sequel. Yeah. The Chronicles of Janice. One BR. The Chronicles of Janice. She's not dead. She's looking for love in all the wrong places. Hot felon. Um, you know, anything can happen. No, I mean, listen, here's the thing. Uh, you know, do we know everyone has died? I mean, we saw, you know, Lester allegedly die. Allegedly die. I mean... Maybe he shot someone else. I mean, maybe Lester is still. I mean, there's a hundred different ways we can go with it. And to, just being being serious for a second, um, we can't say anything about it. But there's definitely um, we have a really strong idea that uh, a lot of people, maybe even like studio side, are interested in, um, and you know, and or Netflix. Let's call it too. 
but um, we're shooting a couple projects before then, but we hope around this time, 2022, to be, uh, to be perhaps shooting something. But we like to say as little as possible in regards to like J.J. Abramsing the shit out of things, uh, not talking about what's in the box. You'll pay to see what's in the box, and you know, keeping it secret. And maybe it just all comes out and it's released after you know the Super Bowl or something, and you know, people love it or you know, who knows. <laughs> but we like to keep it quiet if we can, unless unless it is a studio film, which is, is is we're talking to people about it. And in that case, there's a whole like you know you know, six months before a trailer has to drop. And then, you know, there's a whole campaign for it that probably gives away the whole movie. Uh, but, but uh, look, even if people do die, I mean, this is horror at the end of the day. So sometimes when you die in horror, it just means you have even more of a life. Like, well, you know, well, you know, Taylor Nichols, who plays Jerry, who's amazing. We love Taylor Nichols. And he says it's um it's really hard to kill a good horror movie, uh, you right. know, like they'll they'll always bring you back. Uh, but yeah, Jerry got stabbed everywhere. Like may- maybe maybe Jerry's like you know he's attached to a box now and he's like oh, I'm Jerry. <laughs> like, oh my God, that would be so great. I'd love to see that. that. Be so funny. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. <laughs> but the but point no, is, no, he could also be a prequel. He could be a ghost. No, no, he no. Could- he, he he's we've been in another podcast and he's like I smell prequel and then like. The girl that played the young lady, Celeste uh, Sully, who plays uh, Lisa, who, you know, also got, you know, whatever. She's like, yes, prequel, prequel. <laughs> you know? um, so you know, it, it's a thing where let's see what happens. Like, I, I feel like, you know, we even tried really hard at the trailer to not give a lot away. If you go back and you look at the trailer, yeah, we give the cat away. But we really try to, like, you know, make it very uh, ambiguous as to what's going on. And um, it's funny, even though we we went back and forth, Dark Sky was very lovely about letting us like take, we took like three months to fucking go back and forth and cut that trailer. And the poor guy cutting it, you know, it comes down to it. People always tell us now, I think it's better to go in cold. Just know nothing. And we're like, I, I, went, I went into the movie cold uh, and I didn't know really anything about it besides I saw like it was popping up on a lot of best of uh, lists and stuff. And so... Uh, I was going through movies that passed me by this year to finish our list. And when I watched it, it's like, oh, this has to go my list. This is great. And I didn't go in knowing really anything about it. And I do prefer to go in a movie that way, but it's it's just not always plausible. You know, not it's not possible in this day and age. I mean, usually it isn't. I mean, I, 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 I like I, the festivals because you usually don't know too much about the movies when you're yeah, there. Yeah, no, you're exactly right about that. And that, that was an interesting thing, too, seeing people watch it in that capacity. It really kind of did let us understand that people were not rejecting the film. Like, we might have one old lady who'd walk out with the, after the cat got killed. And I'm like, well... Uh, sweetheart, it's not for you anyways, you know? <laughs> I mean, it was a thing where, like, it was it was the most pure way you could watch a movie with, like, these audiences that fucking love horror. And so they'd react in all different ways around the world, but a lot of places, like, when, you know, she's killing Jerry, everyone's, like, clapping. We had some people that would stand up and be like, fuck, yeah, it's such a release, you know, about seeing that stuff. And when they kill, like, you know... Brian, for example, he's like, you're not going to, you know, he gets, <laughs> everyone's like, damn, well, people be like yelling in the audience about that and stuff. So it was really great to kind of see it that way first and then cut a trailer that hopefully didn't give away too much. But again, people kept on telling us like, listen, it's better if you just fucking go in cold, like know nothing about it, go in cold and you'll enjoy it because it becomes a thing where people don't quite know where it's going and it seems to become something else after like, you know, minute 22, let's call it. Like it's, it's definitely something else. And then by the last act, it's, it definitely becomes sort of something else in, in, in that regard. Um, I will 
say just the way you can, you know, there's this whole sect of people that watches people do video game, play video games. I feel like there needs, I would, I love watching people watch this movie. Like that to me is hilarious. Like watching just like what Alok is talking about. Like people like, damn, oh, oh no, he did it. Like that yeah. is so funny to me. Like I've taken like, like photos and video and sent them to Alok. Like, look what you just did to my gaze because, oh my God, like I have never seen so many boys in short shorts screaming at the television as when I've, you know, when they've turned on uh, one BR with me around. Yeah, it was funny. Like she was in Palm Springs and she was with some of her gay boyfriends and they were like, <laughs> oh, I just like they're, they're standing up and, and they're, they're like standing up watching the movie. They can't sit down because it's, <laughs> it's <too laughs> it was great. It was great. I love that they love the movie that much. You know, that, that, makes was, our, that makes our day, doesn't it? It's like, you know, totally. That's why horror movies and comedies, I think, are best to watch in an, with an audience because you can mm-hmm. see interaction where you don't with a, a drama, you know, people aren't going to. I guess I'll cry together or something. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. But, I agree. Yeah. Tristan, you have another question? I'm wondering about casting the kitty cat, how that went. That cat, so that cat was named Giles in the movie, right? And our, our Brian character, his name is uh, Giles Maddie in real life. And then we have the, the woman that played the nurse that stole the, uh, uh, Nicole's uh, father away from her mother. You don't get the seer full on. You see her hand her father a drink over his shoulder. But she's a gorgeous person. We just wasted that. We should have had one picture of her. Her name as an actress is Haley Giles. And so that cat, that cat, first off, was expensive. Like, this is like the, one of the most expensive things on the set is just hiring a, a cat actor, right? But that fucking cat was so good. And we would call that cat like One Take Giles because that was his character name. And we would, we would, as a joke, we would call Giles Maddie, the actor, out to set to see that fucking cat act because we were like, hey, fucking look at that cat. That fucking cat, that's One Take Giles. What the fuck happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> and, no, Giles Maddie's a great actor, by the way. I'm, I'm making a joke, clearly. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, was, it was a thing where we he had a certain type of cat in mind, um, David did, because he wanted it sort of to be like the cat that he owned, like when he was like, you know, doing the same thing. And it looks, uh, it actually does look a lot like a cat he has now, to be honest with you, too. Um, so, uh, you know, we, I think he looked through a book and was like, all right, uh, that's the cat. And, and, and they were like, yeah, this cat's a fucking fantastic actor. And we're like, thank God. Because it was not, it was really true. That cat, like, got it in, like, one take. A lot of times, we're like, fuck, this is amazing. <laughs> like, you know, so I hope that answered the question <laughs> in a roundabout way. Uh, Jeff has an interesting question. Uh, who chose the classic songs that played during uh, pivotal scenes like Angel of Morning? That was an amazing touch. Well, actually, it was um, the that particular song was the editor. The editor put that in and we were like, shit, that's a fucking great song. I wonder if we can get the rights to it. So we, it, it turns out like Juice Newton didn't do the original version. This this woman, Marley something or other, she did it. So it was actually possible to get that song not for not as much money as you'd think. And the, the other song that we got, that was actually my idea. The, um, the Happy Heart song that's playing during uh, the torture sequence and stuff. Um, Okay, I hope I don't give anything away in terms of movie magic, but I think that when you when you when you were a, a student of film and a film lover, they always say like the um, 
the best ones steal, the, the good one, the good ones borrow, the best ones steal, like whatever. So I think Scorsese said something like this. But uh, it just so happened when we were doing the movie, like one night when we had finished, like we were at my house with my, my uh, producing partner, myself, and we were having a beer. And I was showing him, he had never seen the movie uh, Shallow Grave which is Danny Boyle's like first movie and Ewan McGregor's like debut as well. They did this before, you know, train spotting and like working with each other. So they would do many movies together in the future, like train spotting is for that. And so there, this, that song is actually at the end of the movie of that movie and stuff. And so I was like, wow, that song would be a real, it's a great, the song itself is really sort of, um, it's kind of poppy and it's kind of a song you wouldn't, but it could be something that would be perceived as torture if you had to hear it enough. Right. And so we, I went to David with that song. I, I came, I came one morning of the shoot, the 15 day shoot to bother this poor guy. He's sitting there like doing notes and trying to do something. I'm like, Hey, I have this idea. And I, and I was like, this is a great song and we could like do it this way and then put it right at the end. And he's like, yeah, I can't concentrate on any of that shit right now. I'm trying to fucking figure out how we're shooting today. And I'm like, okay, okay. But well, just keep it in the back of your head. Just keep it in the back of your head. off. So we originally actually wanted the, um, the Carpenter song. Uh, we've only just begun. And we actually had a very good shot at getting the song because they had had, if you look at that actual song, that song is actually in many horror movies. We've only just begun. It's in room 1408. It, it's the song that keeps on coming on the, um, the, 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 the radio, the, the clock radio. Every single time he comes back to reality, that song's on. It's also in the, uh, the John Carpenter movie in the mouth of madness. When, uh, uh, um, uh, Sam Neill is being committed to an insane asylum at the very beginning. That song comes on and he even says, Oh, not the carpenters. And then he's like sitting in a straitjacket having to listen to that song, right? What so happens that even despite the fact that it's been used in so many horror movies, um, Richard Carpenter, in his in his sort of elder his his, his um uh, twilight years, is very sensitive to the legacy of the Carpenters as a band. And so we thought we were really close to getting it because he's like yet yes to everyone else, but he came back and said no. He's, he thinks it's been in enough horror movies. Doesn't want to have it. We didn't have a lot of money, to be honest, either. So it wasn't like he was you know, getting a great payday out of this and something like that. Um, and we're, we're going to have to have someone else redo the song. It was just for like the publishing rights is what we were going to get. And so he said no. And then I was like, hey, that first song I told you about, we can get that, you know, because we checked on that song. And so, yeah, sure enough, we were able to sort of get it. It's obviously not Andy Williams doing it. It's another, uh, you know, we had another guy that came in and did the song. But but that's, yeah, that was sort of the origin of it was that we had seen this other movie. And da, da, da. and it's funny, like, we, we were very worried that people would think we were ripping off, like, Shallow Grave. And only, like, one, I think, one journalist ever caught it. Uh, it was uh, the guy from Joe Blow, Arrow in the Head or whatever. Like, he caught it. We were like, God, God damn it, I can never show Marmer this article because he's going to get upset. Like, <laughs> I was like, but you're sure no one's ever going to catch this? And I'm like, ah, it's like a fucking 20-year-old movie. Who's going to catch it? Like, he caught it. <laughs> so, anyway, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we've talked a lot about uh, on Netflix and on Video on Demand. Uh, is there a physical release? Yeah, yeah. In America, it is on a blue. It's on Blu-ray. Uh, it's on Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray has all kinds of cool stuff, including including footage of the hot felon. <laughs> yes. What they showed. Naomi watches on a loop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I would get it just for that. But um, we, we, but, we did we did a um, we did a, a Q and A at uh, Fantasia with the, the very awesome Matthew Kiernan, uh, who was our uh, you know he's like he does all the publicity for Dark Science and that. But he was our he was our Q and A person and one of the big people at uh, at, uh, at 
what's it called a Fantasia. And so the 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 Q and A with him asking all these great questions, and then we cut to a, a they weren't expecting it. The the the, the actors and everybody on stage. Well, I expect he's like, I think we I think we have some footage, and like he puts the footage on of the the arrest <laughs> of the hot felon and stuff. So if anything is worth having, that that Blu-ray is worth having for that reason alone. But we have a lot of really cool interviews on there and stuff like that that we did. So um so yeah so that that's that's on there. Sadly, it's there's no um, audio track of uh, us talking about it. But hopefully, you know, we we actually do have alternative endings and a bunch of other stuff we really do want to put on a, a new uh the next release hopefully next version of it uh when we get to that hopefully maybe in like you know five years or something uh, when it's on its fifth anniversary they'll release something again you never know so yeah. you might need those alternate endings for the next for the sequel and the prequel and you know 2BR, 3BR, 4BR, 5BR, you know, all the BRs. Well, we have, we have all the footage, uh, you know, so we'll see what happens. Uh, thanks to Jeff Whitmer sent us, uh, so, so, I hate to uh, say they send money, but they said I've actually, I've actually been uh, shopping for... Go ahead, Clayton. Oh, no, as I say, I've actually been shopping for apartments, and I've, I've seen these apartments pop oh, up, really? let's say, 1BR... <laughs> Bathroom, and I'm like, what? I'm like, one made jokes of something that's real. Like, what do we need a second bathroom for? A low deep. Well, one, one, bed, one, one bedroom, two bath is very convenient if you're in a relationship because it keeps a relationship fresh, as I like to say. So pe- people have joked that they want that oh, to be the name of the next one. But uh, yeah, so that's a funny, funny thing. But uh, Jeff, Jeff is actually really funny. He's a, he, um, that guy, he, he did a, a parody song of our movie uh, to the song, to the tune of um, uh, uh, Bare Naked Ladies' uh, um, Old Apartment, that song. And it's actually fantastic. Uh, giving him a shout out and stuff. That's really sweet that he's come on to say hi here. But he's really an awesome guy, uh, and such a such a fan of the film. So I'm really glad he came to say hi to you guys and stuff, and give you some money. Very cool. Yeah. And I, I always we always call the the people that are part of our Facebook group and listen to the show our community. And now <laughs> it really seems uh, creepy. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> the community. I, I kind of yeah. like. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there are cults everywhere. <laughs> Uh, uh, Tristy, another question? Yeah, I was really struck by the beautiful poster art, and I was wondering if you could talk about uh, the concept and artist or artists. You know, it was somebody internally from uh, Dark Sky who did it, and I don't remember his name. He was a lovely gentleman who was very patient with us. We went on all these different versions of it where it had a tear all wonky, and we're like, people don't cry like that. It has to go down the cheek like this, and like, you know. But they, but you know, they they came up with stuff that we just needed to minimally change. You know, they they actually came up with a really cool concept. In fact, um, ComingSoon.net uh, named it as one of their top twenty posters of the year, which was really just wow. Thank you so much, ComingSoon.net. A great, another great site who's been a huge supporter of us. Uh, but um, but I was really amazed that they really enjoyed that poster and stuff. And it's a very simplistic poster, but you know, I mean, we we kind of. When we, we kind of had some different ideas, but we were like, listen, she's the movie. You know, N- Nicole Bryden Bloom is the movie. And we wanted something, and she's gorgeous, but we wanted something with her showing sort of her distress of sorts. We really felt like since she is the face of the movie, she should definitely be on the poster and some of that. But we wanted to show some menace to it. So we had like, you know, 
people you see people in the background on the on the on the, on the ramp of the you know the different ramps of the apartment complex and stuff like that and it, one of the things they had at first was like they had weapons and stuff like one guy had an axe one guy had like looked like he was like you know doing the fist thing with some like sort of like you know, we're like and we had to change that i think because we're like no no one's gonna <laughs> no one's gonna like, sit still for someone like sitting on like a, a breezeway with an axe you know <laughs> so they, that was little things that went back and forth i'll say that uh but they were really um dark sky was very much uh partnered with us to to kind of understand like david's vision as well as our, our sort of thoughts on not only the poster but also like i said the trailer as well like, we went we went back and forth like kind of a couple months like going back and saying oh that works that doesn't work oh i like this he doesn't like this oh let's put palm trees in that's very LA. That was one thing we did at it, actually. They, were, they didn't have palm trees before. We added palm trees, just kind of shared that in Southern California and stuff like that. So, yeah, so that was, it, it was a process, but it was a very happy process because we had really great partners in, uh, in Dark Sky. Although I would add, I remember being in Montreal for Fantasia with Clayton and you, Alork, obviously. Uh, and, and you were like, you know, I was like, oh, what are you doing today? And he's like, we need a poster. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a poster. So, you know, he was like finding some, you know, French Canadian like coffee, coffee shop to, uh, you know, make a poster, uh, which ended up obviously they went back to Dark Sky and, uh, you know, came up with something. But initially we just had that one photo of uh, Sarah, you know, kind of with the hands up, on, you know, the, the iconic photo we've seen so much. Um, but, yeah, it's it's interesting to hear that there's this. uh you know, this whole evolution of the poster, because I remember before there even was a poster, you know, yeah, I want to say you guys were finished. You finished editing only just before the premiere. Like we barely yeah. made that cutoff. Yeah, no, no. Like we were premiered like, uh, like on a Thursday or something. And, um, no, we, sorry. We, yeah, we premiered on a Thursday, but like they wanted to show it to the press on like the Saturday and so we were like, oh, holy shit, we got to like, we thought we were coming out like on Wednesday or something. And we had to come out on Saturday. Like, on, so we, I literally was doing color correction for the movie with David. Like we were watching like the final copy on Friday night. And then I stayed up all night and flew out to Montreal, like, like, like four in the morning on Saturday and gave, gave the DCP to them so they could show it like, sorry, on Sunday morning is what it was. They were showing it to like, you know, the, uh, they were doing a press screening for it for that. So we literally finished like the night before got on a plane, gave them the DCP. So it was, it, we really did work right up until like the, the, you know, the thing to finish the film. It was, it was really hectic. Uh, and, and, but thankfully it all got done. And, and which is why we didn't have a poster. And we had all these people like, you need to have a poster when people are walking in. And I was like, uh, let's go make one. <laughs> this is one thing we're going to do this week or today, you know? So yeah, it was kind of funny. Anyway, uh, uh, Jeff says, have, uh, having way too much fun with this interview tonight. Well done to everyone. And thank you. And thank him. He just sent some more. Oh, so sweet. That's yeah, very sweet. Of him. He's awesome. He's such a, such a fan and such a big supporter of the film. So we definitely thank him. Thank him for all his support. Yeah. And Clayton, what was it uh, like to uh, work with Nicole? Cause you know, you guys have a lot of scenes together. Uh, Nicole, uh, Nicole was awesome. Um, just very vulnerable. She's very grounded, very, uh, in the moment, very receptive to direction and very present. Uh, she was really a, a pleasure. I mean, it, it was one of the best experiences I've had working with, uh, another actor or actress. Uh, so, I mean, my, I tip my hat to her, like very talented, like, like we've talked about, she has like 20 different ways she could cry. It's 
the drop of the hat, just in the moment. We, we cut, she'd be over here laughing, talking, ha ha, like, oh, we need you back on set. And then just like right back into it, just like that. So, I mean, uh, they, the film that really lucked out that uh, this other actress dropped out and they actually got their first choice uh, because I don't think it would have been the same without her. Yeah, she's great in the movie. More feminine energy drink for us. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. They they, they let it us was keep delicious. All, they let us keep that feminine energy drink. They literally sent us a truckload. Like there are pallets of this drink, right? And I didn't try one fucking drop of it because I was so fucking pissed at that that young lady who had dropped that. I was like, well, not let it, one drop pass my lips. And then then after it was over, we had to take it back with us to the office, and they they had like literally stacks and stacks. So we made the interns take it. And we made them give it to friends. We're like, you guys are starving students. You can drink this feminine energy drink all you like. You know? <laughs> so, I didn't want to, I didn't want to look at it. I just wanted to get it out of my fucking sight. Like I was so upset with it. <laughs> Kate says, love all, uh, love B- one BR and love everyone involved. Oh, it's a Kate. Is it Kate from Australia? Kate? Oh, I think it Kate is probably. Miller. Yeah, it could be. Oh, she's awesome. I too. just realized Alok, you should take that. Um, if you haven't gotten rid of all of it, you should take that uh, feminine energy drink to Gelson's and sell it. You could, <laughs> I mean, it's money laundering, but you, you could right? maybe pay well, for that you know, house you uh, already paid for. You know, ha- happily, happily, for mortgage. Ha- happily, it's 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 long gone. Uh, that feminine, okay. feminine, that non. I don't know what the expiration. You know how long those last. But. I mean, there's probably something radioactive in that shit. I'm like, just I trying say. to get you paid. <laughs> when you get paid, I get paid. That's and true. This is full. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, I should have thought about that before I gave it to the interns, but, uh, but you know, they needed it. Uh, they should go be happy with it. And, you know, as a former Red Bull girl, <laughs> I know all the tricks. Okay. <laughs> I think that, I think that those kids are probably glowing. They have glowing skin because of all the drink they drank. And there's something not right with any of that shit. Well, by like the way, you, I, think, uh, I will not drink Red Bull. Like, can't take, can't stand the stuff. It makes my heart feel funny. But anyway, like, I, 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 would, I would never drink it. Anyway, sorry, I feel like we should let you ask some questions. Oh, it's totally cool. Uh, by the way, that Kate, uh, that is Kate from Australia. Which ah, I we love her. Of. We love. She's the best. She she actually like bought our she bought our one br album uh, that our, uh, our 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 composer Ronan Landa is actually selling on um, a Bandcamp. It's the only souvenir that we made for the movie, actually. And it's a cool fucking album. Like it has like, you know, all the OB strip on it and it, it has all, it's like all handmade and stuff, the, the packaging and like he, he's selling it for like, I think 50 bucks, but it's like the only like collectible item that we're ever going to have. And, and she bought a copy in goddamn Australia. I, so. I'm pretty sure when we find that hot felon, I'm going to have to start an OnlyFans account and <laughs> hashtag one BR. <laughs> well, I hope not for your sake, Naomi. But uh, I'll just say this: um, it's 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 a thing with that album is like I think it's going to go up in value because I think once we have the sequel, like we don't have any collectibles, so I feel like you know people will probably and we only made a hundred of them was the thing. I also have a Vag Up T-shirt. Ah, yeah, yeah. Somebody made a, a, a for the the Vag Up slogan that uh, when they're having their heart to heart, her and uh, Lisa. Uh, Nicole, I mean, uh, Sarah and Lisa are having the thing and they're talking about badge up, uh, whatever. This this other podcast we were on, um, oh, uh, it's the uh, the Tipsy something, I forget. Tipsy and Terrified is the name of the podcast. They actually went as far to make t-shirts that say badge up on it. And we were <laughs> like, you know what? God bless you. Go ahead and make that because I know I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> 
can't compete with that, guys. Sorry. I mean, you know, you never know. Badge up, man. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. These girls are crazy. <laughs> they're, they're lovely. <laughs> they're like, uh, Tristan, you have another question? Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see a prequel or a sequel, of course, but I'd also love to know um, what else you guys are working on. Uh, Naomi, you want to go? Sure. Um, well, I uh, when I'm not uh, going to my yoga cult, I am generally working on my new one woman show. Um, I've done two, um, and now I've written a third. Uh, so, and this this third is um, it's a very much a companion piece to the other two. Uh, they're all autobiographical. Uh, my first is sort of. Uh, my coming of age story set in Argentina. My second is sort of like I, once I've like come of age, uh, different spelling. Um, you know, <laughs> living living la vida loca uh, as a single lady in Los Angeles. And now this third one, um, I, I, I kind of want to JJ Abrams the shit out of this one, uh, taking a little tip from a loke. But uh, I can tell you, it's uh, it's. Um, it's a little more mature story because I'm a little more mature, although you wouldn't know it listening to this interview. Um, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it definitely just um, goes through my journey, sort of pre-pepper, pepper, post-pepper. Post uh, so, and it's, uh, it's very much sort of a love, uh, a, a love uh, note to uh, American Horror Story fans for sure. So um, anyway, I'm hopeful that we'll be seeing that this year. Um, you know, for the longest time, it's been like, well, we're not going to gather in theaters. So I, I, it didn't feel like it was ever going to happen. But now I'm starting to think, well, shoot, who cares? Like, let's just sell this darn thing to, uh, to Netflix and let them produce it as a one hour comedy special. I don't know if that'll happen, but uh, it does seem more likely to happen uh, than even before COVID. So that's pretty cool. Um, and now I know like, just because they deny you the first time doesn't mean you can't come back two or three more times, you know? So anyway, I, I, I feel pretty confident that we will be seeing it. Um, not necessarily in, in the theater. So that's the good news, you know, cause the longest time, like I was like, I've been a solo, solo performer for a long time, like almost as long as Aloka's known me, but uh, you guys probably didn't know that because you know, you had to see me in the theater, but I don't think that's going to be the case this time. And that's, that's pretty awesome. Silver lining of COVID. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, real quick before the next person, I do want to say there was a lot of people that were asking Pepper questions and said that they love Pepper, but I thought uh -huh. we'd tackle one BR, but I'd like you, let, want you to know. No, that no, I mean, you should be able to ask anything you want. Well, it was really at the beginning, so I didn't want to start off with that, you know. Well, if, if they're still listening, um, I will tell you, I am recently on TikTok. Don't understand it at all. I'm at least like, <laughs> 40 years too old to understand. Right. But, I, I have um, a friend who forced me on to TikTok too. Yeah. But I will say I've been um, putting out uh, a, a, an answer a day. So uh, fans can ask me, I mean, they can ask me questions anywhere, but that's, uh, I found to be kind of a fun platform for that sort of thing. Um, you know, you, cause the answers are like 15 to 30 seconds, which is as long as their attention spans are for the most part. So, um, you know, if, if people, you know, still have questions, I would suggest them to, uh, follow me on TikTok and go. answer them there or ask them there and I'll answer. Excellent. Clayton. Awesome. Uh, 
I just uh, got finished in December shooting a film called To Leslie, which uh, stars Andrea Riceborough, who is on Possessor, which you guys uh, yeah. had uh, yeah. Possessor on the, the film. Uh, it also has uh, a Stephen Root and Mark Maron in it. So uh, nice. I recently worked on that. A great director, a first-time feature director, Michael Morris. Oh, there you go. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Morris, who did, uh, worked a lot on Better Call Saul as a director. He was uh, executive produced and directed on Bloodline, uh, amongst other things. And uh, I've got some uh, short films that I did that, that have been going through the uh, film festival circuit, which have been doing really well. Uh, Progeny and, and uh, Witchin of sorts. So. That's what yeah, I, I mean, actually, Premier, Premier, he's not honking his horn. I mean, he's not tooting his own horn uh, enough, but uh, it, it, uh, the Progeny, right, uh, uh, premiered uh, at Fantasia, which oh, is good. arguably, you know, the biggest uh, the yeah. biggest and one of the best, obviously, uh, genre festivals. Between Sitges and that festival, they always, like, fight for, like, number one. It's like Harvard and Stanford every year. One of them's going to be number one, but they're both amazing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But his film was there, mm-hmm. which is, like, fucking amazing. Even you got the show actually at both of them. At both of them, it actually showed its digits too. So, oh wow, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really good. If ever uh, I get a, a link to it, whenever they're done sending it through the festivals, I'll definitely drop it, and you all should watch it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, as, as far as what we're working on, um, I'm my producing partner and I are doing another movie, which I'm not going to tell you a lot about. I'll tell you, uh, it's uh, it's with this guy Marcel Sarmiento who did the movie Dead Girl. If you ever saw that oh, uh, yeah. years ago, like 2009 or whatever, but it's a big cult movie. Yeah, and I had so, Jenny Spain on the show from Dead Girl. Oh, cool! Like yeah, Marcel's great, and we're doing. Um, it's sort of I'll say this: it's kind of more sci-fi horror, but that's all I'll say about it. Uh, so we're trying to shoot that uh, coming up very soon. We're casting right now like crazy. So that's sort of a tough thing to do. You would think that people want to do movies in the time of COVID. Like they're like, I haven't worked for a long time. I'll go to Montana. But it's it's tougher than you think. So we're going back and forth on that right now. And that's going to be shot like, you know, hopefully in this late spring, let's call it like, you know, April, May probably or maybe March if we get it all together. Um, and then uh, we're trying to shoot another movie with David Marmer um, in uh, in the summer. Uh, his next movie, which I won't say anything about because uh, we definitely can't talk about any of it because there's a lot of stuff that could be spoiled. Uh, but I think you'll be very happy that we didn't when you see it and you'll understand uh, why we didn't. And then then hopefully, like I said, this time, uh, 2022, next year, uh, hopefully we're uh, going to production uh, on the you know sequel for uh, this 1BR movie. And, and, and no, it's not going to be called 2BR. Everyone's always like, it's going to be called 2BR. I'm like, we could do better than that. <laughs> So we'll see. Right. Because so they, they won't know what it's about again, the Spanish speaking. Well, you know, listen, it's it's all about marketing, right? Ah, brand awareness. One BR colon something, right? It can be called anything. Just long as the one BR is in there. I was very worried when apartment one BR was coming out, but I noticed if you put apartment one BR in Google or even one BR, whatever it is, movie, it comes up the same. All the stuff comes up, so it doesn't make a difference. As long as the one BR is in there, it all works in some way. So yeah. anyway, and I like this. Uh, Jeff Whitmer says, "Try to say pre pepper, post pepper three times fast." <laughs> oh, pre pepper, post pepper, pre pepper, post pepper, pre pepper, post pepper. It's not easy, but it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. But I also like went to drama school, and that's what I majored in. So oh, you majored. If I can't do that, then I should go get my money back, like all fifty thousand dollars a year. Scam. Times four. <laughs> totally. 
And I also want to know what was your TikTok username? What's my TikTok handle? Yeah. Uh, I have to look it up. <laughs> uh, that's how new to this I am. Uh, oh, my. So unlike all my other handles, uh, which is Naomi W. Grossman, I guess I left out the W. Uh, I guess I didn't need it this time. Um, it's just my full name, at Naomi Grossman. Nah, really? I'm not kidding. This is It's fascinating. I literally... Started out Monday with 16,000 followers, and now I have 35.7K. Like, that's pretty darn good for brand new. It's crazy. People are looking for you. They're They're looking looking for me. I'm telling you. I told you. It's the 5 to 24-year-olds. They're all up in my business. It's amazing. This one stupid video that I put out, like, like a couple hours ago has 260,000 views. Like, and I'm doing nothing. I'm literally just like, well, a loke needs to get on TikTok and do his version of you answering questions. Yeah. Let's say, yeah. I'm at, I'm at, I'm at phone, phone, No, you could be a guest star on her TikTok. Yes, that'd be funny. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I do not actually know how to use TikTok all by myself. Like, I need a Gen Zer to come over and do it for me, like, do it with me. So I cannot take total responsibility, but I do get to take total credit. Like, no one, he's not on there anywhere. So, not really. Sorry. (laughs) Stay behind the scenes. Anyway, um, sorry. Well, I know Naima's going to be going pretty soon, So, this, but this has been... Listen, really- I'm okay. I got eight whole minutes before my HOA meeting starts, um, okay. which is a whole nother sequel to this uh, movie. <laughs> if you need any story ideas, Alok, I highly recommend you zoom in to our uh, meeting in, uh, at six o'clock tonight. Naomi, Naomi lives in a, a famous uh, residence uh, in that way that uh, Peter Lawford from the Rat Pack was the last resident of her um, her her uh, townhouse, right? Well, and I so- didn't buy from him. There was there's been some um, other people in between us. But the, uh, but the, but, the, but, the, in- but the most important thing is the ghost of Peter Lawford haunts haunts her, haunts her townhouse. Uh, it speaks to her in different ways. And we always say, "Great Peter Lawford's ghost." When we're talking about, you know, Peter Lawford because he's there and he haunts her. Although, I would be careful, look. Every time you bring him up, invariably my internet like gets spotty and I have to like go zoom somewhere else to to finish the interview. All right, so. right. We, let's not let's not summon him yeah, right don't now, do but uh, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to get out of an interview, though, if it's not going well. You can just bring it up and (laughs) go bad. Like, I guess I got to go now. Peter Lawford wants me to go. (laughs) Things have gone to hell, yeah. But uh, so you guys mentioned the festival run. Uh, Did you get to how many fest? I know you said you went to Fantasia. Uh, How many of the festivals did you get to attend? Um, well, we did, uh, we, we did Fantasia. We had our, um, us premiere at beyond fest in Los Angeles and, and everyone, most of our crew and everyone lives in Los Angeles. We got to like show up to that in mass, but we went to, um, like 16 altogether, but everything from like, uh, Grim fest in Manchester to monster fest in, um, uh, in Australia and Melbourne to nightmare nightmares was the only one we didn't get to go to. That's in, um, it's in uh, Columbus, Ohio, but it was, it, but, but, uh, I mean, sorry. 
I didn't go and David didn't go, but Clayton got to go actually. So we sent, we went, we made sure that we were trying to be at every one of them that didn't overlap. Like, I mean, uh, Telluride, the horror, uh, horror, horror fest, um, David and, and uh, Shane had to go to that one, but Brooklyn horror fest, we went to, um, Madrid, Nocturna, uh, Harathon and uh, Dublin, uh, and then, uh, what was it, uh, Cardiff, uh, Frank Fractured Visions in Cardiff, and 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 um, Razor Reels in in um, uh, Bruges. Uh, we went to like all together. I mean, we went to as many as we could just because we wanted to like meet the people, meet the the the, the film, you know, the, the film festival directors to hopefully have an easier time next time we have a new film. We can just pick up the phone and be, hey, you know us. Come on. We're not putting out a piece of shit. Like, I used to test movies. I look like an idiot if I put out a piece of shit. You know, who knows? It could all, ter- it could all turn out to be a piece of shit, by the way, just so you know. Um, regardless of what you know. Uh, there's so many different things that can go wrong making a movie. But the point of it is this. We tried to go as many as we could, and, um, you know, 16 of them uh, altogether, I want to say. Uh, Grossman, none of us got to go to because of COVID. Um, but uh, we, we, they had a really great setup in the way they were very socially distanced and stuff like that. So we thought they were very responsible even having a festival in the time of COVID. But it was a lot of fun. And I, and I would tell you this, if you ever have the opportunity, you have a film that somehow has the good fortune of getting into these things, my gosh, I had like 700,000 airline miles before I started this adventure. And I'm down to 30,000 because <laughs> I used them all. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a short film at festivals. Trista's had movies, but yeah. Yeah. But it was still a good time to watch my four movie four minute short film with, with people. Oh yeah. No, no, it's it's the best way to watch any film is with people, especially horror, obviously. You were saying that before. Horror and comedy, right? Like these are the best things to ever watch together. Anyway, listen, sorry. I wanna let you guys fin- ask the questions because I know Naomi has gotta get out. Um if there's anything else for you guys to, to to ask or anybody from the audience. Yeah. Uh, well, there was a lot of stuff about Pepper, but I said that they were way up there and have to scroll up and they can go and ask them on TikTok. Which yeah. Is like, yeah. That, that's the way to do it. Uh, Tristan, well, Jeremy, listen, uh, if people are over 20 or five for that matter, and don't want to be on, uh, then aren't on TikTok, it's no big deal. Like I'm on all the platforms. <laughs> all right. All right. There's other ways. That happens to be like, apparently what, what's trending. Like that's the hot new spot, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I'm, I have it too on my phone, but I, I don't really use it. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch yours, of course. Yeah, yeah. Follow. I need another. I, I need some more. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy. I'm up 10 k since Monday, but still, I need more. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's good. I think we're gonna wrap it up, so you can get you can get to your meeting. Get to my meeting. I can't. I haven't been anywhere other than my yoga class since. March, but yes, I will be. I'm gonna go in the other room because. Oh, that's where you have to go to the other room. Yeah, you have to go in the other room. They don't get to see all this. Oh. This is why are we for, special then? This is for the fans, you know. Yeah. 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 I appreciate. Well, who actually? Who did the 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 uh, one? Well, all of them behind you. Uh. This, I really like that uh, one that looks like the, you know. I know, it's amazing. Um, this one was a, a, a fan in Canada, um, in somewhere near Toronto. This was in um, Sao Paulo, Brazil. This one I don't recall. I mean, I have a whole room you can kind of see. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes on and on and on and on and on wow. and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. It's all, it's, yeah. So, 
<laughs> yeah, it's um <laughs> quite a lot. I love this room. Whenever I'm feeling down, in fact, uh, you know, I got an uh, an audition to do uh, it, later after the HOA. Big exciting night, um, and uh, it's fun. You know, nowadays that we don't audition in, um, you know, live anymore uh, in the room, uh, you know, I'll take this down and I'll make it into like a, like a, a, a self-tape sort of uh, situation. And, uh, you know, those scary audition rooms that at one time produced such audition anxiety. Now I just look around and I find all this like love coming at me from all sides. And it's, it's hard to feel nervous, you know, cause it's like, well, gee whiz, people love me. Like, you should be casting me. Like, in fact, we need to pan this room around and, and, and you know, let those producers see that fan art. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Keep that in mind, Alok, now that you're, you're casting now. I will go to Montana. <laughs> I don't need a writer. Um, uh, I will apparently work for pennies. And, um, uh, and I'll, do, I'll do podcasts ad nauseum. Very when good. I work as a local hire, will you work as a local <laughs> hire? <laughs> right there, you go. Yeah, we we love we love Naomi. We love Clayton. They're the, such big big supporters of the film. We really do appreciate you guys. They're the best. Yeah. One last thing is uh, Clayton and Naomi. Since uh, this was Alok's first time producing, and it was um, the first time for the director, uh, what did you think of? Uh, could you obviously you like them because you're talking highly of them but at the time did you think they were uh what, what, what were your first like impressions of them actually directing and producing the movie they knew what they were doing they knew what they were i doing. wouldn't go that they, far <laughs> I, I felt that i felt that way that's my personal experience i would say i i didn't think that was necessarily the case only because i knew a so i was like didn't know that he knew what he was doing, but um, I, I, I wanted to work with him. So it didn't matter. Yeah. Like, I just, I knew that this was my friend of like plus 20 years and I, I wanted to have this experience. And that's, you know, why I signed on regardless. And quite honestly, like he surpassed all of my expectations. I mean, yep. like even just these stories, like, like, you know, all the hats he wore. It's, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, well, I just, uh, I'm, I'm really amazed. I feel like, honestly, I have so many filmmaker friends that, who I always say, like, you should actually tune into these podcasts because, you know, they're fun, but more than anything, informative. Like, it's amazing to me. Alok gives me, gives so many nuggets for, like, all the things that, uh, you know, an indie producer should be doing and probably aren't quite honestly. Well, and it's, um, I think he's really inspirational. I, I know Naomi has to go to her thing, but I just wanted to say thank you. This is very sweet of you to say, but it was a team of people that did this. It's and, true. And, well, and, no, and, and that's I, true. And I didn't know what I was doing. I it just, I had to feel it out and learn like anything else. And, but I, now I know a lot more. I can say that. I, I definitely understand like the underbelly of, uh, of all the dealings you have to do with, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of the shitty stuff they don't teach you, which I'm totally always happy to talk to people about to, to teach them. And they don't them teach know. you anything at USC. Come on. Well, I didn't, I went to, I was a psycho bio major. I wasn't a fucking film major. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, there's that. I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> anyway. All right. Thank you guys so much for having us. No, uh, sure. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. And, uh, for if, you sure. have... if this is available for, uh, you know, to, to share, uh, yep. after the fact, let, 
send it oh, on. Yeah, I'll be tagging everybody and I'll I'll send it to everybody. Please, okay, please. Right. We we want we definitely want to get it out there and stuff. People weren't able to see it live. Let them see it. Uh, you know, uh, whenever you do want to put it up there yeah. and submit it, just let us know and we'll we'll definitely post it everywhere we can. Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys. All right. Thank you so much. Happy it was so, it was you so, guys. It was so much fun talking to both of you. Thank you, Trista. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Thanks for watching. Bye. Cheers. Bye. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Where we should have listened. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming at night! Mostly! 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 Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming at night!